Cybathlon with Robohub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hi and welcome to Robohub. In today's episode, we take a closer look at the Cybathlon project. Hosted by ETH Zurich in Switzerland since 2013, this unique championship allows people with physical disabilities to compete against each other in everyday tasks using assistive technologies. The event also acts as a general platform to showcase and drive research and innovation in assistive technology, and it promotes dialogue between people with disabilities, technology providers and the general public. Challenges at the event include powered wheelchair and exoskeleton races, as well as brain-computer interface competitions. Our interviewer Kate speaks with Annie Kern, Head of Communication, Strategy and Teams at Cybathlon for over four years. Hello, welcome to RoboHub. Would you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Annie. I've been working for the Cybathlon team at ETH Zurich for um, almost five years now, and I'm happy to be here, Kate. Hello. Great. Thank you, Annie. Can you begin by telling us what is the Cybathlon team that you're a part of and what are the goals and concepts that originally initiated this effort? Yeah. Um, the Cybathlon is a non-for-profit project of ETH Zurich. And um, it offers a platform to advance research and development in the field of assistive technology, suitable for everyday use and to promote the dialogue with the public. And um, the technology developers should um, also work in close dialogue with people with physical disabilities when developing their devices. And it was initiated by a professor at ETH, Professor Robert Rina, um, about six years ago. And um, he came up with the concept because he um, observed that um, many labs or if many researchers and developers develop new assistive technology for people with disabilities, but they are not really useful for them in daily life. So he came up with a competition where those two parties have to work together to be successful. Very interesting. When was the first competition? Um, The first competition was in 2016, um, in October 2016. And we had about 66 pilots in six disciplines participating and it was a a huge success. So we had a lot of media attention and the teams and pilots were very happy and um, it was a once in a lifetime experience, I think, for all of us. Wow, sounds very exciting. Can you help us clarify what you mean by discipline and pilot and what constitutes as a team? Yes. So um, a team consists of a technology provider and a person with a physical disability. And we call the persons with physical disabilities that participate in our competition pilots because um, that are they are not really... Um, Um, athletes they are um, people they can be athletes but they are people from 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 all fields and they um um they use the device the device so it's 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 
um, important that that they have the control of the device and that they control the, dev the device like a pilot controls the plane and not that the technology is controlling them. So that's why we call them pilots. And we have six disciplines. Um, we have the brain-computer interface rays, then um, the powered arm prosthesis rays, the functional electrical stimulation bike rays, the powered exoskeleton rays, the powered leg prosthesis rays, and the powered wheelchair rays. And we um, always, or we have in 2020, we, we had um, 16 starting slots per discipline. So 16 teams from all over the world um, had the chance to participate in, in this year's Cybertron. Yeah. Very cool. So for each of the different disciplines or events type of competitions, could you describe a little more detail the type of assistive technology are involved and what exactly do the pilots and the technology providers have to do for each of the disciplines? Yeah, so it all starts with our rule rules book or the race task description. And um, we started in 2017 to set up a, a race task description for every discipline. And for example, for the arm, leg, wheelchair and exoskeleton race, we have a parkour of six tasks from everyday life that can be um, a breakfast table for the arm prosthesis race or um, stairs for the wheelchair race or the exoskeleton race that um, the teams have to overcome. And all the teams know exactly how the tasks look like and what they have to do with their device or what the pilot has to do with their device to solve the task correctly. And for all the tasks, um, you get points. And in the Cybertron, it's important that you have that you solve the task and then the time counts. So um, you have a certain amount of time to to solve all six tasks, but but the points are counting more than the time. And um, for the brain computer interface, we developed um, a, a computer game where the the teams have to to um, play the game with their mostly EEG um, devices. And for the functional electrical stimulation bike race, we had um, we have a, a certain amount of meters. Um, for the 2020 competition, it was 1,200 1, meters to that to 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 do. Very interesting. Uh, what about the leg prosthesis race? Were the, there particular obstacles that the pilots had to overcome? The leg prosthesis race, you mean? Yes. Yes. So for the leg prosthesis race, um, what is also um, stated in the rule books are the inclusion criterias for the pilots. So um, we try to to um, to to find a, a comparison of the pilots. So for the leg powered leg prosthesis race, um, pilots um, have to be amputated above the knee because the knee. Um, 
is one of the most um, difficult parts of the leg to rebuild technically. So, and for the powered leg prosthesis race, they have to overcome um, stairs and a tilted path and a ramp. Um, that for, for example, when you have a ramp, you, you, you need to, to, um, to, to have the ability to bend your knee and your ankle joints and that you are stable and that your, your leg can, can do the ramp in a, in, a, in a healthy way, not that you are going to, to have the limp behind you, but that you can do alternate um, steps, for example, on the stairs and the ramp. I see. So these sounds like uh, everyday tasks. Um, how would you describe the sufficiency of the state-of-the-art assistive technology can enable people with disabilities to accomplish these types of um, daily tasks? Yeah, I think in the um, in the leg prosthesis race and in the arm prosthesis race, um, the technology is is very advanced. Not not that advanced that that you you have like a a, a, a limp. Uh, compared to to a to a real um, arm or leg but it's it's um it's it's really advanced but they are still very expensive in production and and for people um with disabilities um to to get for the brain computer interface race this is still very um very science and research and this is not commercially available this is still this needs still a bit more time that you can for example control a wheelchair or arm prosthesis with with a brain computer interface or the exoskeletons they are very heavy the pilots have to use crutches and um, the battery um, situation is re really yeah, you need a lot of power to to operate these exoskeletons, but also the 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 powered wheelchairs. We had um, compared to 2016, we had this year a lot of wheelchairs that could overcome stairs that are um, narrow. Um, the 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 power supply um, enhanced, and um, I think yeah, we are getting there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you for your insight. Yeah, I was very curious at how these disciplines were chosen, whether it's a mix depending on um, the essential tasks we're trying to tackle or what the state of the art is able to accomplish. I mean, it's it's a bit more, they, they were chosen about what people with disabilities need in everyday life or how you can can develop something that that is useful and and that is needed by by people and yeah people are wearing arm prosthesis and leg prosthesis and and yeah they they are expensive they are not easy to get they 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 are not um quite useful in everyday life and that is what we want to do with the cybertlon that this is getting more awareness and more um available for people that are really needed and that's that's why we chose those um disciplines with the with the most um 
how do you call it most future but it doesn't mean that we that we can't find <laughs> other dis disciplines in the future maybe we have to do some research now for the next period um to see if we can have new disciplines or yeah maybe for for hearing impairments or or for 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 people with um with um yeah blind people things like that cool that's a very powerful message and goal looping in the development of technology for the most useful essential tasks for the end users yeah so i guess in the topic of people and teams um, have there, what are the backgrounds of the teams? Are they usually mixed uh, researchers at universities or at different commercial companies? It's, company it's both. Yeah, it's both. Um, we have um, student teams from universities. We have um, labs from universities. We have um, companies um, like uh, for, for example, in the arm and, and leg prosthesis race, we have small companies in the in the powered wheelchair and exoskeleton race. Um, we also had this year we had a um, um, technology person in the arm race make a hand. He won the the powered arm prosthesis race. He he was all by himself <laughs> developing his arm prototype of and arm prosthesis. So. Um, yeah, if you are a technology researcher and you can provide a safe and um, functional device for, for a person with disability, you can join the Cybertron. Wow, very impressive. So you mentioned uh, safety. Um, how during the competition, are there any ways of guaranteeing the safety of the pilot? Um, since most of these technology are fairly uh, new and some uh, could have high levels of risk. Yeah. So um, all the teams um, have to hand in a technical protocol and risk analysis before the competition. So, and this is reviewed by our head of disciplines and one other reviewer. So this is a, a huge document they have to hand in to guarantee all the all the safety that the pilot is safe. Then, um, for the um, when they come to the competition, they have to do an on-site tech check. So we will we will check um, physical if all the safety measures um, have been um, done, and um, if the pilot can operate the device safely on the track. So they have to do an and check on the track. And if they are not safe or if the device cannot be operated safely, they are not allowed to do the task. And then we have um, certain measures for the exoskeleton and the powered um, wheelchair race. We have spotters. Um, they are accompanying the, the pilot and the device during the competition in case they fall, fa fall down or, or something happens to them. So yeah, we, safety is our, our biggest, biggest concern. <laughs> I see that totally, totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you have any personal highlights or inside stories of feedback you've received over the participants over the years? Yeah, 
I mean, um, I love my job. It's, I think it's the greatest job you can have. <laughs> no, it's, um, so we started this in 2016 and then we had the so-called road to 2020 in 2017, 18 and 19. We did various cybertron competitions and um, events and we were meeting part of the teams throughout through the years and um, it's so nice to meet them all because everyone is very motivated they are the the pilots are so nice and nervous and into this um, project and into the competition also like the the teams the researchers and developers and um it's it's always a, a unique atmosphere and um and you can see how this is really going the the, the right way so that you can can achieve um something for for people with with your technology you can have wonderful are there technologies that debuted at the uh, competition that are now available on markets or heading toward that direction? Yes, um, there, there are. Um, you can find them on our website. There are different teams, um, for example, in the in the powered arm and um, prosthesis and leg prosthesis race, you have the the camp. The, the, the companies Autobock and Osua um, that are commercially available. Then we have a, a small uh, wheelchair team from from Russia, from Novosibirsk. Um, Caterwill, I think they have a very nice um, wheelchair. It can go through snow and sand and up the stairs. And um, it's yeah, it's a small small startup company. Then we have another wheelchair company here in Zurich. It's um, from our university um, spin-off, the Skevo wheelchair. For exoskeleton, they are also um, commercially available, but I think um, there wasn't one. Ah, twice. It's from EPFL in Lausanne, um, but there are companies you can you can you can get um, exoskeletons from. I see. So you also mentioned the road to twenty twenty. Uh, maybe next we'll get into. Uh, the planning side of this, as we all know, 2020 has been very unusual with the global pandemic. And I'm very glad to see the Cybathlon event still took place. So how was it like from the organizing committee's perspective? Yeah, it <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was a challenging year because um, in, in January 2020, we we heard from the mostly from the Asian team that they face COVID-19 and that they maybe cannot come to Europe to attend the Cybertron in May. So, um, yeah, and then it, it, it went really fast that this was all over the world and we decided that we cannot have uh, an international event with um, people with disabilities in May and postpone it. First, we postpone it to September. But um, in April, we we already knew that we can't even have that um, event in September. So we had all those teams from all over the world. We 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 know so well, and um, we just didn't want to let it go. And we came up with the idea to just somehow do it, yeah, hybrid. So we asked all the teams if 
if they can imagine setting up their their own infrastructure at their at their home institutions and um, in the beginning it it needed a bit of persuasion <laughs> because um yeah it's quite a lot a lot to organize but but then they they started to to get really motivated and um yeah then we we started to find a, a producer and a director and a production company and then we we thought how we can do a live event um at a decentralized live event and um yeah we 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 organized all of this together with the teams and um yeah two weeks before the event i think um the switzerland went into a slowdown so we couldn't do the the live event the 10 hours live event because this this would have required a lot of people so we all scaled this down to a to a pre-production that me, that meant that we had to change the whole format again and that the teams had to change all the all the schedule again and then we pre-recorded the races so we didn't competition um virtually um but we pre-recorded the races and then yeah everything came into place and and we made it happen and yeah i think we are all very proud that that we could do it like this and and that we that we didn't just say okay we have to cancel it we we maybe do it 2022 or 2023 but that we really could show the world um what the teams had developed over the last years and the stories of the pilots and it was really it was really meaningful that we could do it this year yeah, I'm totally with you on the perspective of an audience. This is very a meaningful event to watch and very glad that uh, your team was able to navigate through all of these different challenges. Um, I guess related to the 2020 Global Edition, I was curious, do the teams have the same chance to kind of interact or learn from each other or how... Yeah, um, not as they would have had... Um in a physical event but mm -hmm. i think they 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 all watch the races and they they can still watch all the videos of the of the teams so it's all on on our website and i think through this they can learn from each other this is one one point that that wasn't yeah that that you can't do um, digital or in a virtual world that you can meet in person <laughs> or that you can 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 have a a, a personal personal chat um, with with all the teams or that that's a bit bit hard but i think we we somehow built a community throughout through all this zoom meetings we had and and the the experienced experience we, we we had together with setting up all those infrastructures and working with them through all the organizational um and and developing issues and and things like that that somehow created a, a unique yeah community feeling i think <laughs> yeah do you imagine taking any of the community or the uh, lessons learned from this virtual uh, hybrid event this year to future Cybathalon? 
Yes, definitely, because um, I think this will be this will be the future of holding events, right? Um, I mean, ten or eleven months ago, everyone was like, "Oh no, we are not having this virtual. We have to 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 have a meeting in person." And now the acceptance of having virtual um, events or virtual meetings or virtual conversation is is there and i think it 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 won't go away and um, what we experienced is that that um that it's hard at the moment so we were the first one doing a, a thing like this so it was it was hard to to get the audience to the live stream and and some especially older people they didn't really know where they can watch it and what they have to do so i think in a couple of years it's it's normal to have those kind of of mixed events that you have decentralized events that you have um, physical events here virtual part here and um, i think it's also it has also its advantages because we have um, teams from from all over the world from from brazil from india from africa and they might cannot afford to come to Zurich all the time because um, it's also a rather expensive city. So maybe that's a way how we can include um, teams from, from other parts of the world and, and they don't have to travel. Or um, like the tetraplegic people um, participating in the BCI um, race. They are. It's sometimes very hard for them to travel, and um, that's um, a possibility to make it easier for them. Thank so we, we will see what happens. <laughs> yeah, in, in line with your theme of inclusion. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that you really loved your job, which is very great to hear. And from my understanding, the sabbathlon happens every uh, four years, if that's correct. Um, I'm curious about what are the other kind of uh, initiatives that you're taking on in your role? So um, I'm also responsible, for example, for the Cybertron at School project. It's a project that we are um, initiating in Switzerland. We are working together with um, uh, a partner that uh, is developing modules for school classes. So we developed um, a, an arm exoskeleton um, for different modules, for example, for product development, um, IT, math classes, so that um, students are um, getting interested into the STEAM sub, um, subjects and um, for example, learn for what they can use their their learnings in the different um, school classes, and um, that they can, yeah, do something with with that knowledge, and to to of course um, increase the awareness for people with disabilities. Why it's important to include them into society. Um, we have a history module about um, technology, uh, technology and about um, people or how people with disabilities were treated in different um, epochs. Um, this is one of our initiatives. And then we have um, 
different event formats. We have the Cybertron experiences that are, um, yeah, we, we give talks, we give uh, workshops, we um, go to, to fairs, we have demo races and hands-on demos. That is, at the moment, it's a bit hard <laughs> to do it, but um, hopefully we will do it soon. Where um, hands-on demos where people can just try out um, a BCI game or um, a, a very basic arm prosthesis. And then we have the Cybertron series um, events that are more scientific related events. We try to do this with um, partner universities where um, we host a scientific um, symposium in a certain discipline. And then we invite teams to have a real competition um, together with the with the scientific symposium, but this is only um, yeah in one or two disciplines. And then every four years we have um, the the main cybertron, and yeah we try to to come up with with new projects. Yeah, we will see what what happens the next four years. We have a lot of ideas. <laughs> cool. Are the are the um, other projects such as the series and the experience um, events mostly uh, rooted in Zurich at the moment, or is that also a bigger global effort? No, we 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 do them um, all over the world. For example, we did a wheelchair series in Japan in 2019, uh, an arm and leg series in Germany, and um, the BCI series in Austria in Graz. And we did a lot of experiences um, for the Olympic Games in, in, in Rio in 2016 and then the Winter Olympic Games in, um, uh, where the, in, in South Korea, right? And um, we, yeah, all over the world. Wow, very impressive. Thanks for the details. And You're finally, welcome. I'd like to ask if you have any advice for students or researchers who are working in this field or looking to get into assistive technology? Um, yeah, my advice or one of our major goals is that you, you need to develop or research your device together with the person who needs it, because otherwise um, it's not going to be um, successful and you have to accept uh, the feedback and accept um, what 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 they need and um, i think it's 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 very meaningful if you are the person who developed the device that that helps another person i think that is that is something that that can be very motivating and um, yeah have ideas be be innovative um, there there shouldn't be a limit to to yeah find find new ways of um, supporting people wonderful thank you Annie any final words or concluding remarks for our listeners um Yes, for all out there who haven't um, 
attended the Cybathlon yet and would like to. We are going to, to have a, another Cybathlon 2024 and we will have a road to 2024. So um, we would be very happy to see as many of you um, yeah, in the competition and you can always write us and if you have ideas for new disciplines or new devices or yeah, we are open, open to, to any feedback and ideas that would be helpful. Great. Well, thank you for this wonderful conversation and working on such an awesome platform for promoting development of the technology as well as inclusion. And I look forward to hearing about your future projects. Thank you very much, Kate. And that's the end of today's podcast. To learn more, we encourage all listeners to check out videos of the competition at cybathlon.com, as they're truly exciting and really inspiring to watch. And there's plenty more to discover on our website at robohub.org forward slash podcast, including podcast episodes, feature articles, and much more. And if you enjoy our episodes, why not find out more about supporting us by becoming a patron? If you can spare just a few dollars a month, the cost of the cup of coffee, you could make a real difference. So find out more at robot.org forward slash podcast. And we'll be back with another episode in about two weeks time. Until then, goodbye. With Robohub, the podcast for news and views on robotics.